This Week in HPC. Deep Learning at GTC. And Open Power opens up. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening in to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. And This Week in HPC is distributed in partnership with our friends at top500.org. How's it going, Michael? Very well, Addison. How's it going there? It's been a busy week here, I'll tell you that. We've had the GPU Technology Conference in town. This has gotten to where it's really a major HPC show on the calendar, and uh, and it comes to, to our home area here. Yeah, it's always a, it's always a big uh, event in Silicon Valley. And with Open Power, the Open Power Summit kind of tagging on this year, I think it, it was even a bigger event this, this time around. NVIDIA, of course, is a major uh, partner in the Open Power Consortium together with IBM and Mellanox and a growing cast of yeah. many, many others. And we'll, we'll talk about the Open Power uh, area within GTC and their summit. They had a major booth in theater. So it was a little event within an event, but starting with NVIDIA, it's really their show and a bit different this year compared to other years, Michael. Going into the keynote, you always expect to see a lot of uh, whiz-bang, wowy kinds of graphics, the sizzle and sex appeal of, of, the, of the major graphics. And there was certainly an element of that, but people who are gaming enthusiasts, I think, would have been uh, maybe surprised at the amount of attention that went on to higher-end computing in the keynote and throughout the show, especially under the banner of what NVIDIA is now calling deep learning. Yeah, there was definitely a big, a huge focus on deep learning. I mean, NVIDIA's been actually talking about this for, for over a year now, so it's really no big shock that their, their big GTC conferences is going to be focused on it. But uh, Jensen talked about it in his keynote a lot, and all the other keynotes, the other two keynotes, were also about deep learning uh, applications and the deep learning uh, application area. These were keynotes from uh, Google and from Baidu talking about deep learning and artificial intelligence kinds of areas. There's a lot on uh, convolutional neural networks for applications like image recognition. That was a touched on in Jensen Wong's uh, CEO keynote address at the start of the show and then really amplified in the Google presentation. Right. Jeff Dean at, at Google, he talked about not just um, image recognition, although there was a lot about that, but also object recognition. In speech the recognition was part of it. Right, speech recognition, uh, reading text from images, you know, uh, natural language understanding, machine translation, even the online advertising. There's, there's a lot of applications, practical applications for deep learning, and Google, Baidu, and the other hyperscale companies are, are just starting to exploit those and put them into production. There's uh, a lot of useful things that can be done there. Yeah, the image recognition in particular, they've been talking about getting to where the, the machines are now beating humans in image recognition, where they can apply a specificity of knowledge that goes beyond most humans. Now, you start out training them to the training your neural network, and you pick out a picture of a dog or of a cat or of a bird. Oh, as it gets good at these things, it, it might say, well, this is a Jack Russell Terrier, whereas your average human is just saying it's 
it's a dog and I don't know what kind of breed it is. Right. And it's even getting more sophisticated than that. They're just not uh, recognizing the images, but they're recognizing them in context. So they demonstrated some applications which would say something like, you know, here's a person flying a kite at a park. Uh, right. And had to identify. There's a, there's a boat parked at a dock with a building in the background. Right. Had to identify all the images and the context of those images and put it together in a, a natural language form, which is quite impressive. And some of it they didn't get quite right, but some of it was very impressive uh, for, for machine intelligence. One of the things I liked best about that particular presentation was that, um, was that Jeff Dean opened up about things they really wanted to get better at with, in, with image recognition, where when uh, you take a picture, you'd like to automatically recognize all of the text in the picture, regardless of you know, font or handwriting or, or anything else, and regardless of what language it's in. And you know, if you can do things as simple as identify street numbers or uh, you know that this is a pizza place, uh, it, it really goes a long way. And, and this is things that humans are still good at, because if there's a tree in front of the second and Z in pizza, the human still figures out that it's a pizza place, but the computer has trouble reading it. Right, right. I mean, and sort of related to this, uh, maybe not for the hyperscale companies as much, but there was a lot of talk about uh, automated driving, self-driving cars as well. Right. Elon Musk was a special guest speaker during uh, Jensen's keynote, and that was another pillar of deep learning that uh, that they went into, the idea of using visual cues in context to assist in self-driving cars uh, and how much of that needs to be done computationally on the fly. Again, a very realistic, down-to-earth interview with, uh, with Elon Musk, whose Tesla cars are, are uh, some of the pioneers of using software on board. Now, we're, we're in Mountain View here. We're used to seeing Google self-driving cars around, and they didn't really talk about uh, Google self-driving cars in that context, but NVIDIA certainly implying that deep learning is, uh, and, uh, and, and hopefully from their standpoint, NVIDIA GPU is going to be at the center of, uh, of, of, of how we build intelligence into these onboard computers. You know, speaking of Tesla, not, not the car, but the uh, the chip, there there wasn't a whole lot of talk about Tesla uh, devices at this at this conference, at least not in in the keynote from uh, Jensen and and some of the other news. Uh, the Tesla chip right now is still sort of stuck on the Kepler generation, whereas most of the uh, GPU gear is is now into Maxwell. Looking forward to uh, Pascal in the coming year. Um, so there was no announcement of a, of a Maxwell Tesla coprocessor. There's everybody's still selling the K40s and the K80s, and there was just a sort of a roadmap presentation towards Pascal and what those processors are going to be like. And presumably, we'll get a Pascal Tesla processor uh, coming up when when that architecture comes out. Now, it wasn't uh, totally devoid of things about Tesla, though. What they did do was show an awful lot of momentum around CUDA and around Tesla shipments, uh, talking about since they've been shipping them in the 2007-2008 time frame. The 2008 was their first GPU technology conference. Uh, Jensen did say that they've shipped 450,000 Tesla parts in the lifetime uh, of, those, uh, of those parts. It added up to 54 petaflops 
flops of top 500 performance. Now, those are the only the publicly reported top 500, which we have to assume is a subset of the total performance. If you're talking about 450,000 chips, that might only be in the 10 to 20 percent range, probably about 15, 16 percent of the total performance that uh, that they've shipped on Tesla. That's that's our inference based on those numbers and the history of those parts. But they are showing a, a lot of momentum. They've talked about 50 percent revenue growth year over year. And, and they used uh, some of our research showing that uh, we've seen uh, over 40 percent now in the most recent survey of systems, uh, HPC systems shipped since the beginning of 2013 with an accelerator uh, installed. NVIDIA has most of that market share by a wide margin. And, and we've even predicted that uh, this year in 2015 that uh, half of the HPC systems would ship with accelerators configured in. Yeah, that uh, that 450,000 uh, unit reveal was was very interesting. I mean, that like you said, that was 54 teraflops for the top 500, but that 450,000 Teslas probably represents somewhere between four to 500 petaflops that are distributed, you know, across the whole community, and that's that's a lot of power uh, and and a lot of market for for this company and growing at 50% year over year. Um, you know, if if that's really true and they continue to do that, we're going to see a lot more than 50% of the systems uh, uh, this year and next year uh, with with uh, accelerator parts. I guess the last thing I'd want to say about the momentum is it's clear just in terms of the other companies that you get sponsoring and participating in uh, the GPU technology conference, that you get companies like Rogue Wave and Adaptive Computing now uh, showing up with booths. You know, they're not going to be selling GPUs directly, but they sure would like to sell their tools to people who are programming GPUs or managing GPU accelerated clusters so that the ecosystem continuing to expand. Yeah, it is. I mean, the, that's an impressive conference. There's a lot of uh, a lot of exhibitors there that are they are now hooked into the GPU ecosystem thanks to you know uh, a very concerted effort by Nvidia and now its partners. So it's it's been a growing ecosystem for a while. It's going to continue to grow. It looks like for the for the foreseeable future. Now, one of the dominant areas inside the the exhibition was the Open Power Theater, where they, uh, as I said, had kind of a show within a show going on. They had a lot of uh, revelations about the power roadmap, and, uh, and there was an entire day dedicated to what they called an open power summit on Wednesday, uh, which got into not only the roadmaps, but the nitty-gritties of things like the open power working groups and the path forward uh, with that consortium. And there were quite a few announcements as well. I mean, things basically that are in the pipeline uh, by the consortium members for for products. And a lot of these are, tended to be uh, Chinese products. There were three or four uh, server companies from uh, from China, including Inspur, that are that are making. Uh, Power 8-based uh, servers. Uh, they're going to be in the field this year or next. Uh, there's a chip maker from also from China uh, that that's going to put their own uh, custom IP on a Power 8 design. Um, and then, of course, there's Tyan, who's, who's got this. I think they've got the only uh, current server that's based on a Power 8 chip in the field, other than IBM. So there's quite a bit of activity. Uh, and the announcements. I should also mention that that IBM itself is going to is prototyping 
uh, a GPU uh, Power 8 system that they're calling Firestone. Uh, it's, uh, it's aimed at the HPC market, and it's basically the stepping stone to the uh, the Summit and Sierra systems that are going to be deployed with the uh, with the Corral supercomputers for the DOE. Yeah, the, you, talking about this ecosystem and all the new hardware, you go to a show like this, and a, a big thing that people anticipate is the keynote with the big reveal of the exciting new hardware. Now, for the NVIDIA main keynote, uh, that reveal was around the Tesla X1, which is right. a, a workstation GPU, which we didn't really cover much in this podcast. It's not targeted to HPC, but there is a lot of excitement in the room around that product, its performance capabilities, its price point for the workstations. The Tesla X1 was a, a worthy reveal for the keynote, but for the HPC perspective, I thought the bigger reveal was during the Open Power Summit when they took the curtain off that table and had 15 different server projects on it that were going that were all with uh, with Open Power configurations. In particular, I think a lot of attention going around the, the rack space configurations looking at targeting hyperscale and cloud service providers. Right. With this new ecosystem, there's a, there's a lot more room for specialization and, and to find all the niches, and certainly hyperscale itself. I mean, the, the previous power designs, they never really had any, any chance at the hyperscale market, uh, but with all, the, with all the potential vendors now, uh, there's a lot of the designs that are being geared for these large-scale deployments uh, at, at price points that would, that would match that sort of customer. Now, we're talking about roadmap as well here, and uh, there were some details on the open power roadmap, some of which had already been kind of pre-released at the Rice University Oil and Gas Workshop two weeks ago. Uh, Tim Prickett Morgan of the platform uh, picked it up in, in some of those, but Brad McCready repeated uh, that presentation, some of those roadmap details here with a broader audience at GTC. Yeah, it was a, an interesting roadmap putting forward. They're being very aggressive about uh, where they're going to go. I mean, IBM, not just IBM, but the, their, their collaborators as well. And I think it, it seems like IBM is, has embraced this rather quickly. I mean, they, you know, just a couple years ago, you know, the power was this proprietary thing that was only an IBM technology. And here they're willing to basically share not just the, the source code, but even some of the revenue around some of the products uh, with their partners now. They realize that, you know, the way forward for this architecture is going to be through this this open this open model and licensing model, and and they're they seem quite committed to it. It'll take more than that, though, to build the completeness of an ecosystem like you see that's been around for years with right. with Intel, Xeon, and uh, and all of Intel's partners, and uh, and that's where all of these working groups start to come in. Uh, the 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 specific details of how to participate in something like an I/O working group for Open Power is maybe a level of detail beyond what I personally need, but the fact that there is an I/O working group meeting and a bunch of other ones. To, to help build out this complete ecosystem, I think is extremely noteworthy. Yeah, it is. I mean, we're obviously this is just at the beginning. We're seeing this all starting here, and we don't know where it's all going to go. But it is an impressive beginning. They they have got the interest um, from a lot of vendors and a lot of buy-in from from a lot of the community here. Um, it, it looks a lot more robust than I think it even did a year ago when they were talking about this, and it was a, an impressive. Uh, Summit and exhibition. 
Well, it's something that I'll look forward to continuing to attend every year and see if it gets bigger again still in 2016. All right, Michael, that'll wrap us up for this week. I appreciate your insights as always and appreciate our listeners for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. 